0: So, Jeff said anything, um, so I went for anything, but it was on my heart to do Romans 12, which Jordan done a really, really good service last week, if you weren't here. So I thought, well, there was been something going around in my mind, and it was in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. And then I was reminded of John 1. And John 1, verse 1 to 14 in the NIV says, in the beginning was the Word He came as a witness to the light, to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and even though, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own and even his own didn't recognize him. Yet, yet, to all who receive him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace, full of truth. What an amazing way John starts this gospel. You know, I read this and I read it and I read it and I read it, and I still can never fully comprehend it. He uses the term the word. He says, In the beginning was the word. He says it three times in his first verse. So he's trying to tell us something, who is this word? He says, the word was in the beginning. Okay, so the beginning is Genesis 1, as we know it. So he was there in creation. The word was with God. If it was with God, it was before the beginning. The word was before the beginning. And the word is God. So who's John talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. You know, if we look at the passage tonight, we see Jesus presented in a wonderful way. We see him as the Logos, the Word of God. Logos is the Word of God. We see him as the light that has overcome the darkness. We see him as the life that gives life to all mankind. And there's three L's I want you to remember. as the Logos, the light, and the life. If we start with the Logos, Jesus Christ is the Logos. When the New Testament refers to the word of God, it uses the Greek word Logos. And in this instance, always refers to Jesus Christ and his divine presence. It's a title for Jesus. Jesus has lots of titles. He has the Messiah, he has the Christ, he has the Son of God, the Son of Man. But this is a title for Jesus Christ and it emphasizes his deity and the communication of who God is. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to learn about God, look at Jesus. Logos is the expressed essence of something. Saying Jesus Christ is the expressed essence of the Father. He's the revelation of who God is. He's the very image of the invisible God, as it says in Colossians 1. Now back when John was writing this, Logos would have been a term they would have used for God. They would never have said Jehovah, because it was too holy, it was too they would ne- just never have said it. So that you use Greek words and terminologies and titles, and Logos was one. So we know that Jesus, the Logos, was with the, with God in the being oh my god. We know that Jesus was the Logos with God in the beginning, which is creation, isn't it? And we know that Jesus is God. But did you know that the God of all creation came and made his dwelling among us? Verse 14 says, the Word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ, Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now to dwell literally means to put your tent right there, pitch your tent right beside you. So Jesus has come right into the desert of our lives and just pitched his tent right in our hearts. And just like the, the Israelites in the desert, with the tabernacle, it was right in the center. Jesus Christ pitches his tent right in the center of our lives. It was very easy to go, the word was in the beginning, the word was God, the word was with God. Such a good statement, but it's very easy to miss the, the context behind it. Put it in the context, this is God. This isn't Joe, Frank, or whoever else, this is God. God who was not only in the beginning, but he was before the beginning. Way past before the beginning. The was implies that he was already there. He didn't just turn up in Genesis 1. He was before the beginning. So we're talking about God that is beyond our understanding. Beyond Genesis 1. Who stands outside of our time and our space, our understandings. This is God who came down with us. And he's here in Genesis 1. John 1, in the beginning. If we look at Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, even before, even before he made the world, God loved us, he loved me and he loved you, even before he created the heavens and the earth, even before the earth was formed, he loved you and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So that we see that God in his glory, before we even get to Genesis one, we know that he already existed. He's already here. We know that he already loved you. You were in his thoughts. And he's planned your salvation. It's all through Christ, his son, who we know tonight as the Logos. Now, if that's not enough to give you hope, Let's reread verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So God, his spirit, he knew you way back before Genesis 1. And as God, the creator of heaven and earth, stood over all creation and spoke life, He spoke life into being, this is God, this is God the spirit who spoke life. He flung the stars into space. We sung about tonight. He flung the stars into space and he knows each and every one. He said, let there be light and there is a sun which gives us the energy to give us life and light. He made the giants of of the oceans. He made mankind in his image. And this is his power in action, isn't it? But let's look at his love. This God, the God of power and the God of love, chose to come in human form and live among us. He lived among us in order that we might be saved. Fully God. He is fully God in the physical body of a man. But he's also fully man who humbled himself into the cross to sacrifice himself that we might be saved. The infinite God became finite, the invisible became visible. The one who transcends, who sits outside of our time and understanding came down and enters our time. And the eternal God became transient. The Word became flesh. How wonderful is the name of Jesus. He's wonderful, isn't he? So Jesus Christ is the Logos, he's the the Word of God. Then we have Jesus as a life. He's the Zoe life. We read an, in Him, in Jesus Christ, in the Son of God, in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In Jesus Christ was life. And when He spoke creation into being, remember, it was formless, it was void, there was nothing there. But when He speaks, when he speaks, you see life, you see plants burst out of the soil, you see seeds popping off them. you see the huge oceans just fill with life, you see the birds soar into the air and sing for joy as they get to swoop, you see mankind made in his old image, walking with him in the Garden of Eden. You know, where God is, you can't see anything but life. You can't see anything but life when God is there. And the life that you see is full of his joy and his craftsmanship. You know, we know Jesus gave a physical life to us because we're physically here. But remember, God is spirit. So when we're talking about life tonight, we're talking about a spiritual life. In Jesus in John 14, verse six, says, I, I, Jesus, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm the way. I'm the only way. There's loads of religions. There's loads of great books and ideas. But I'm the only way. I'm the truth. Whatever I say, there's no deception. There's no conceit. There's nothing in me that will lie to you. I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. (laughs) I am the life. You know, He says, I'm the life. I'm the eternal reward. Eternal life of Jesus Christ. Even though we die, because we will die. It's one guaranteed thing. We will die. He says, even if you die and you believe in me, you will live. Jesus doesn't receive life from anyone. He didn't receive it from anything. He is life. And he created life. You remember the account of Lazarus becoming unwell? And his friend said to Jesus, look, you're, you're the one that you love, he's unwell. Come on, come and help him. Jesus said, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, don't worry about it. And then his disciples are like, oh, well, he's dead now. He said, okay, let's go back. He gets back, he sees Mary and Martha. Mary, Mary's tearful and upset. Martha is the same. But he has this dialogue with Martha, and he says, do you know that he'll rise again? And she says, I know this, I know. But Jesus says, I... I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone, anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. He says, anyone. It doesn't matter where you are. He says, anyone who believes in me will live, even though he die, even though he dies. When Jesus Christ, the Word of God, spoken to exist in all of creation, He spoke life. So it doesn't matter how Lazarus was. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. He stunk doesn't matter. When Jesus Christ spoke life over the earth, there was nothing there. But when he spoke, it burst into life, didn't it? What did Lazarus do? He didn't lie there. He burst into life. He was given a new life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how Christ finds you. It doesn't matter where you are. When he speaks life, spiritual life, spiritual rebirth, you're born again. You know, thinking of a new birth, this is physical birth, but thinking of physical birth, when Catherine was pregnant with Izzy, I thought, hi. Oh. <laughs> I know how it works. But I thought, hi. Oh, how am I going to look after this baby? How, how am I going to look after this child? But I watched this bump grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And every day I would talk to it, was when I was there, or sing to it, play music to it, called it bump. It was beautiful, I watched every day, Catherine just guard it with her hands. As a mom guards her child, she guards it with her hands. But then came the day, and out she popped. She didn't physically pop out, but she popped, didn't she? One day she's in there, and the next day she's out. And I was looking at her, and I thought, I have no idea. It's beautiful, isn't it, but new life. I was completely astounded. I was completely breathless, and to be fair, I, I sort of blubbed a bit. But it was beautiful. And that's physical birth. That's physical life. In Luke 15 it says, there is more rejoicing in heaven when one lost sinner comes and returns to God. That, how I felt when I watched Izzy come out. Imagine how God your father feels when you come back to him. You know, we, we talk about creation, but God does recreation. It doesn't matter where you are, he does recreation. I would love to hear the angels in heaven sing when one of us gets saved. I would love to watch myself coming from such a fallen background to Christ. The angels must have thought, high. And it's only in the goodness of God that he does. So we know Jesus Christ as the Logos who is the eternal word of God. We know him as the life of all mankind who creates us and then recreates us, giving us new birth. But we also know that Jesus Christ is light. You know, throughout the verses tonight, we read that the light was promised and has come. We hear that John the Baptist was a witness to the light and that the darkness has not overcome this light. This is not a normal light. The light we speak of is the same light of which Isaiah prophesied saying, the people walk in darkness, They've seen the great light. The nation of Israel had fallen so far backwards. He says, but look, the Messiah is coming. And he was prophesying about Jesus Christ. John the Baptist had a mission from God. He was set apart for this work long before his birth. And his mission was to be a witness of the coming light into the world. And that light is Jesus Christ. When John was asked by the religious leaders of his day, are you the Christ? Is it you? No. Are you the prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Who are you? He says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. I'm only a witness. I'm just pointing to who he is. Jesus told us several times in his ministry that he is the light of the world. In John 8, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's the light we're talking about tonight. It's not these light bulbs that are shining on my bald head. It's not the light that you just see outside. It's not the light of the moon being reflected from the sun. It's not even the sun itself. What we're talking about here is spiritual light. A light of such brilliance. You know, God the Father dwells in such light that no one can approach it. The Father is reflected in the sun. That's the light we're talking about. He's the light of the world. He's divine in nature. And he's holy and he's God. But this light, this light has overcome the darkness. And he's allowed us to walk with Christ, fulfilling that promise that he has. Anyone who believes in me will be saved. But there's two paths tonight, isn't there? We can see two paths. There's human will, isn't there? So where we see the glory of Christ saturated in all of these verses, we also see the fallenness And the rebellion of man. We see there's two ways. It's like a junction. The sign points to the light, the life and the logos, Jesus Christ. And the other way points to ourselves, to our own desires, to our own needs, to what I want, to what I feel. In verse 11 and 12 we hear that even though Jesus Christ made all things and every one there's still some who choose not to recognize him or to accept him. And we're told that they're spiritually, spiritually blind. In verse 5, the spiritual darkness, we can understand the darkness to be a metaphor of ignorance, of divine things, making us unreceptive to the light, that is Jesus Christ, and making us unable to understand or discern the light. When you're in the darkness, nobody can see what you're doing. You can get away with things, can't you? But when you come into the lights, you can't get away with the stuff. Some people chose to stay in the darkness and the shadows because it felt good what they were doing. That's why they chose not to do it. This is what John refers to when he says that although he created the world, they did not receive him. And we can see this happening even when Jesus was here. In the account of John 12. John 12. So you have Jesus who's turned the water into wine. Jesus, who's healed, healed the lame, healed the lepers, healed the mute, the deaf. He's done all these miracles. He's even risen Lazarus from the dead. Now surely with some of bit of common sense, looking, something's, something's going on here, isn't there? There's something special going on. That, that's not normal. But even on top of that, Jesus prays to his Father and says, Father, can I glorify you? Upon the cross, when I sacrifice myself, can I glorify you? Now he had witnesses all around him. And God the Father answered and said, yes, I will be glorified. There were people over here who heard it. And over here who heard it. Some said it was an angel that spoke. It was like thunder. They all heard the voice. But not all of them chose to recognize it. And that's where we are, isn't it? Some chose the darkness of their pride, their self worth. They chose that over the, the eternal God. We also have the story of the two Johns here, two witnesses. We have John the Baptist, who came as a, a witness to the light. And then we have the Apostle John, who we read tonight, who's given us this account one who has seen his glory and cannot help but say, Look, Look, this is what I've seen. Both Johns had their lives immeasurably changed, immeasurably changed. When John the Baptist was still in his mother's womb, just hearing the voice of Mary, the mother of Jesus, just hearing her voice, he leapt for joy in his mother's womb. He didn't even physically see him, but he spiritually knew that he was the word, that he was the life of all mankind. You know, when John the Apostle met uh, Jesus on the shores of Galilee, he left everything, left his nets behind, left his job, left everything. But he had an encounter with God, he had an encounter with the life. And he says, Look, look, the glory of the one and only Son of God, Son of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. John called himself the beloved but we're all beloved, all beloved of God. And John, the baptizer, when he met Jesus on the shores of Galilee, he had an encounter as well. He didn't say, oh, I'm baptizing, Jesus joined the queue. He said, look, look, he's there. The light of the world, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that's that's him. So both Johns are pointing at signposts, pointing those around him to Christ. Both Johns are always pointing to Christ. Their conversations, their lives just poured out of their love and devotion to the light. And they give their all to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. You know, if we spend our time in the presence of Christ, in the presence of God, and he is truly in the center of our lives, there's got to be a change inside us. Inside us and outside of us. I think of Moses when he went up to spend time with God. He spent up time. He went up the mountain and spent time with God, <laughs> and God just radiated upon him so much that his face, um, his face shone. He spent that much time of God; his face shone with the glory of God. And when he came back down the hill, the people were like, "Ah, can you cover up? Because we can't understand it. We don't get it." But Moses had been in the glory and the presence of God and he reflected the glory of God. It should be like us as well. Our faces aren't going to shine. But our hearts should. Our actions should. The way that we speak and the way that we act should. So how can we shine? Be more like Christ. Matthew 5 verse 16 it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Now this, this verse isn't talking about how good you are. It's talking about the light of Jesus Christ inside you. We can be more Christ-like by letting our light shine like that city on the hill. A light that's a reference point to those around us. Those who are walking in darkness. Who look up and they can see us as the light. The light carriers of Jesus Christ the one who stands beside them and prays for them, the one who talks to them, the one who comforts them, the one who doesn't condemn or judge, but the one who is Jesus Christ beside them. And it says, all to the glory of the Father in heaven. So how can we be born of God? It says in the text, to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be called children of God. To receive And to believe, that's it. There's no seven steps. It's just receive and believe. But to receive means to take what he's given us. You can't take a little bit. You can't take part of it. You have to take it wholly and completely. We have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light, who is the life, and who is the word of God. We have to believe that he is the son of God who's taken away the sins of all. You know, if you we were to try that, without knowing God, you'd fall over pretty fast. Because to understand and to love God, sorry, not to understand God, but to know God, it really does take God. It takes the Holy Spirit within our lives to break down our barriers, break down our flesh, break down ourselves, so that we can see the glory of God. It takes God to know God. So as we close tonight, what was the promise that we have found? It says, in Jesus Christ, there's eternal life. And that he is the light that has conquered the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. You know, if you believe in Jesus Christ tonight, my prayer would be that you'd be a John. Be like two Johns, standing on a crossroads, watching those around you, walking in darkness, saying, look, come on, go that way. There's life. There's love. There's salvation. There's peace. There's joy. There's happiness. Come on. But we also know from the story that there's two types, isn't there? Those who heard and those who didn't hear. So maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. You have a choice to make tonight. It's, just, it's never a simple choice or an easy choice. But you have to make a choice. You have to get off the fence. Where are you going to go? Are you going to stay in the darkness? tripping over the stuff on the path, making the mistakes, being who you are not designed to be. You are made in the image of God. He loved you before the foundation of the world. He knew you then, and he knew what you were going to do. And he offers you life and salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So I plead with you, I ask you if you don't know Jesus Christ, take the path that leads to life. The path that was well lit. The path that when he, doesn't matter how he finds you, he brings life and joy and peace. Because he is the light of the world. He is the life. Will you follow Jesus Christ or will you give your lives to him? So as we close, can I ask the band to come up, please? There's so many things that happen every day in our lives. There's so many times that we choose a choice or make a choice that just does not glorify anyone, no matter God. And as I said to you at the start of the service, if you think about those who are in your hearts, those who maybe don't know Christ, be a John, be a John. Don't smack them over the head of a Bible, but be a John. Tell them about Christ, show Christ in your life. Show them the love of Christ, the life giver, the light and the logos. And if you don't know Christ tonight, but you want to know Christ, just speak to one of us at the front and we'll lead you to Christ and that'll be so wonderful. Your life's not going to change overnight, but your eternal life will. You'll be a new creation in Jesus Christ and he will live in you and he'll be bring you through whatever you face. So, Father, I pray that you receive glory tonight. I pray, Lord, as the band starts again, I pray that in our words and our thoughts and our ideas, Lord, everything that we do this week, we glorify you. But, Lord, I thank specifically of those who do not know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead them and guide them and poke those hearts that are hard. Lord, I pray that you be glorified through Jesus Christ, our King. So Holy Spirit, have your way as we close tonight. Have your way. Amen.